the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website, and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. I am joined for this podcast by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, and we're here to do a unit-by-unit look at your 2024 CU Buffs. Tough as it may be to believe in January, what with transfer portal commitments still flowing in and another transfer portal window coming up in April, but the CU roster, as is the case for most Power 4 teams, is about 80-90% to complete. Yes, the CU coaching staff is still in the market for quality transfers, and yes, there will be defections at the end of spring practices, but unlike 2023, there will not be a wholesale makeover of the roster between now and fall camp. So, which units on the CU roster can clearly be defined as having Power 4 conference quality and depth? Which units remain in serious need of upgrades? With new transfers coming in this spring, room will have to be made on the roster. Which units are most likely to see attrition between now and the kickoff to the season on August 31st? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back. And I'm joined by Brad Geiger in Highlands Ranch, just back from Paris in the Louis Vuitton runways. Uh, <laughs> how's Brad doing? This Me and season? Shiloh were walking together. It was impressive. Yes. <laughs> doing okay down there? Yeah, we had a had a blast of cold weather, but we managed to survive without any broken pipes or anything. So today was up to a balmy 40-something. So life is good. Wow. Yeah, I woke up Saturday morning to 37 below air temperature. So, oh, uh, yeah. And from downtown Denver, Neil Langland on the injured reserve once again. How's the healing process going for you, Neil? I am pouting. I am a big baby. I was healthy when there was no snow on the mountain. And now that they have gobs, I can just sit and paw at the window. And... <laughs> Anyway, I'll, I'll make it through, but so tonight's about football, and uh, I'm going to just concentrate on that and forget about snow. That gives you more time to talk about Colorado football, so we're grateful for that. With this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the roster and go through each unit, and we're going to talk a little bit about whether or not 
The unit as currently comprised constitutes a power four conference worthy unit or whether it's still a group of five type of unit and whether or not this is a high priority to get more recruits or to get more transfers between now and August 1st. So Neil, I'll start with you for a change. We'll do quarterbacks and there's only four on the roster. You got Shadur Sanders, you got two transfer sophomores, Destin Wade and Walter Taylor, both coming in from the SEC. And the holdover redshirt freshman that you like a lot, Ryan Staub, who started the Utah game. So looking at this unit, is this now with the transfers a, a fully fledged power of five, power four? I'm gonna say power five too many times, but power four worthy unit, or is it still just a you know group of five squad that needs more more bodies? At this point, I'm gonna go group of five. And I anticipate we're going to be seeing perhaps some outflow from that group, regrettably, and perhaps some additions. Beyond Shadur, I like Ryan Stout, as I've mentioned before. He looked good. He had the advantage of having no film out on it on his play. But I thought he did well in game management, had nice, crisp throws, was on target. I'm just afraid he might move on for... Uh, more playing time somewhere. So that's why I think we're going to be seeing additions. But as a fully capable backup at this point, I think he's pretty close to that. Beyond that, just I'm just I'm not sure. So it's still group of five, I think. Okay. Well, Brad, Destin Wade got one start in the bowl game against, you know, when he was playing at Kentucky and Ryan Staub got that one start and Walter Taylor had, I guess, spot duty playing at Vanderbilt. But then again, you've got CU's first quarterback that's going to be drafted since 1997 and likely a first rounder, maybe a top 10 pick. So does that by default make this a power power four unit? Yeah, honestly does. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. We are not, we are not Alabama, although Alabama is no longer Alabama or Michigan. Uh, We saw even what happened to Florida State when they got their starting quarterback injured. They took a significant step back, according even to the committee. First of all, I'm going to take me a while to get used to the phrase power four. I know. Um, I'm with you. (laughs) Would I love to have another quarterback? Perhaps. But we've always talked about how hard it is to recruit somebody to come in and follow the coach's son. So I think Staub is more than – a credible backup. I think I think Wade has got some talent. So, you know, you don't have to be what I want to play all season with any of the backups. No, but starting off with a guy who could be in the top five in the 25 draft and having people, having one backup who can play and others who've got experience in power four conferences. Yeah. I do over the top of the power four. No, but I think they, fit in quite well with the middle of those of that group. Yeah. I'm going to go with Brad on this one. I think it's a power four group. I mean, it, but again, you know, as Utah found out when Cam Rising went down, you know, you're one injury away from being in, in trouble. Um, but that's true with a lot of schools. But um, the only thing I have regrets about is coach Prime said he wanted to get a backup that had starting experience. 
And, you know, there's exactly one start out of that group, that, of the two players they brought in. So he wasn't able to get that backup to come in that actually had experience starting, which I, you know, as you alluded to, Brad, it makes perfect sense. If they know they're not going to play, why would they want to come in just to be the backup? So uh, it was a uh, tough nut to crack, but at least there are some backups now and not just, you know, redshirt freshmen or true freshmen backing up Shadur, that there's at least uh, some options there at quarterback. So, Brad, I'll give you the this first run at the, the running backs. Uh, looks like we got one, two, three, only four scholarship running backs. Savion Wilkerson, Dylan Edwards, Alton McCaskill, and then a true freshman coming in, Makai Welsh. No new transfers at this point. You look at the running back room and say we've got uh, some talent there, enough that you could call it a power four group because they played a power four, power five schedule last year, or is there a definite need to get some more bodies in that room? I am really – well, first of all, we need more bodies. You can't go in with four. Um, if, if nothing else, you just need more guys on the field in practice. You need more guys with time. And I missed – I think we'll miss Hankerson example for the transfer. Three of these guys, the three returning guys, have power four talent or at least have had it in the past. It is very hard to tell how good – McCaskill, of course, we don't know a thing about hurt. It is very hard to tell how good Will Edwards is going to be. You know, I would love for him at some point to turn and look after catching the ball and see, I don't know, a blocker in front of him. <laughs> uh, if I, I, I will say that I think for the lack of people, this is more of a power five. We just can't know at this point if these guys are going to be good enough because we don't know what's going to happen in front of them. So I would love to have a, at least another, and I, I would love a big back. I would, uh, you know, love to not have to pass on third and two. Okay. Well, Neil, you know, McCaskill almost had a thousand yards rushing as a true freshman for Houston. So he's, you know, shown some talent and Dylan Edwards had four touchdowns in the opener against TCU. So these guys can play against the big boys, but are there enough uh, bodies in the room to satisfy you that this is a power four group or probably a, still a group of five group just based on numbers well i think the numbers alone will say it's a group of five room problem is we saw a little bit of wilkerson and he has potential but he hasn't proven enough yet same with mccaskill edwards i think would be a fine back if he just had even small creases to run through because he would squirt through and be in the secondary I think he's probably the leader in the clubhouse to start, but I think Brad is absolutely right. And I'm jealous that he stole my one big point here is, which we need a hammer. We need a big back, at least one. We need to convert maybe a, uh, you know, a, a non-existent white. tight end. Or a tight <laughs> yeah, end. I was going to say that, but we don't have any. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. With that, that's uh Mythical unicorn tight end will come, you know, can step back and be an H back for you. So, yeah, I, I think we could we could say that if we add just a couple more bodies of the same type we have, we're still going to be incomplete. 
And as you said, it's going to depend upon how the guys up front do. And I think these guys can make yards on their own. I've seen, as we all have, the running backs get yards, far more yards than the play was blocked for. I think we haven't seen really what any of these guys can do behind a decent offensive line. But just because of depth and the lack of knowns in Wilkerson, McCaskill, and, and Welch, going to have to say that it's still G5. Yeah, I agree with you guys that by numbers alone, it's it's not a power for a group. And fortunately, it's something that the transfer portal, there will be a lot of running backs out there. It's hard to find that you know, four-star defensive lineman or four-star quarterback at this point, but there's going to be a lot of running backs still available come April or May. So I would be surprised if there is not an addition to this room between now and August 1st. Neil, come back to you. There's a lot of bodies in the wide receiver room. I don't know, something like 12, 13 wide receivers. Hard to keep track of how many warm bodies there are. So first of all, are you happy with the group that uh, you've got enough talent there? And does this qualify as a power five room in your estimable opinion? Well, when I was a witness, I was told to answer the question I was asked. And since you asked if it was power five, I'll say no. But they are definitely power four. Um, ah. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. I think the returning guys have all shown flashes of competence and even brilliance at some point. We're well stocked there. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to step up uh, and be the, the lead dog as we had last year, but I, I'm hoping, you know, in, in Weaver, and I'm hoping it's going to emerge somewhere from Horn, Miller, perhaps even one of the, uh, the transfers or a true freshman. We've got a lot of talent coming in there. So it's well-stocked now, and I think there's going to be depth by mid-year. So I'm, I'm very pleased with that group. Okay. So, Brad, with all the warm bodies, is this actually one of those rooms that might see some sub subtraction between now and August 1st as opposed to additions? And do you think this is a power four quality room? I mean, the guys that we have listed as primary wide receivers and Travis Hunter, if you're, if you're other than Oklahoma or USC, who wouldn't take this? There's not a team in the Big 12 that wouldn't trade straight across for our wide receiver room. They're that good, which means that there will probably be some sorting. Now, you know, wide receivers are nice to have. They're good on hit coverage. But there's just there's a lot of talent in there. And it is, I think, likely that the spring is going to be about figuring out which of the new guys uh, gets along with Shadur and draws his attention. So, yeah, I would be very, very surprised if all of these guys were on the roster come August. Not because any of them obviously can't play, but because there's just only so much space. And, you know, there's some good guys who are still kind of young. Um, as to who's going to step up other than Hunter, I think Jimmy Horn Jr. is going to be one of the best receivers in the country. So if we can give Shador any kind of time, 
you know, I, maybe we don't need a big back because we may not throw the ball or we may not run the ball at all. <laughs> well, it's going to all come down to the line and we'll get to that. But yeah, if there's plenty of time for Shooter to throw, there's lots of warm bodies for him to throw too. And I agree that Jimmy Horn is probably going to be, well, unless Travis plays a lot, you know, Jimmy Horn is probably going to be your leading receiver. And you got two transfers that are seniors, Will Shepard coming in, and uh, that Lejonte Wester, who Shadur lobbied to get, yeah. who is a, what an All American punt returner coming in. So a lot of bodies there, a lot of young bodies, a lot of talent. Clearly, the wide receiver room is a power four group, and. It's just a question of who's going to, as you mentioned, Brad, just stand out amongst the the talented players and who's going to become a star and who's going to become a star somewhere else. Well, uh, Neil, well, actually, go back to you, Brad. A room that doesn't have stars, doesn't have a lot of bodies, and, uh, well, doesn't take much time to go through. The tight ends, you have Louis Passarella returning and Shimon Medier, who's coming in as a transfer. So is this a power four slash power five tight end room, or is this a G5 or maybe FCS uh, <laughs> quality room that we have to deal with here? I think you're misusing the word room. I think they probably meet in the closet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> We have two guys. Neither one of them is particularly talented, although Medier has had some some success. Since we don't know what the offense is going to look like, you know what what this offense lacks in receiving is somebody that we know will go across the middle and run a four yard pattern on third and three and be willing to take a hit from the from the safety. And I don't yet know who that's going to be. I don't know if it's going to come out of these two guys. I don't know if one of the receivers is going to pick it up, but you know that's the concern. And whether or not we pick up somebody that's called the tight end or something else, if there was a big receiver in the transfer portal, I suspect they would grab them in a second and pick them up. But there is, uh, just like I think any Power 4 team would trade us for our wide receiver room, I think there are many Power 4 teams that would laugh heartily at our lack of tight ends I don't know. Are we going to just put another offensive lineman in? Are we going to run more of a slot receiver kind of thing? This is the biggest, probably the biggest unknown on on the offense. We just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, Neil, are going to add some bodies, or are these guys with their coach just going to play a lot of three-handed bridge during fall camp? <laughs> They'll be sitting on the sideline with a with an umbrella drink. And, uh, <laughs> Probably watching the game. You know, the Fred makes a good point, which is I think any team's pass catchers, we need role players. We need smaller, faster, elusive guys that can get open, maybe hit a home run now and then, but also can get yards after the catch and make guys miss. We also need a bigger body whether it be a receiver such as we had uh, the six, four, two and a quarter guy last year was underused in my opinion, it was a receiver. We have good production from the person designated as our tight end. 
but watching the playoffs, I'm envious of the teams that have, you know, a 6'5", 240, 250 guy that can catch the ball, take a hit, and get by the sticks. We need someone who can do that. And like Brad said, whether you call him a, a wide receiver, a tight end, or an H-back, or whatever, we need that. And hopefully it can come from the two guys we have, although Passarello has the body, he can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, Mateo also is a big body, seems to have some speed and elusiveness. He may be that guy. We just don't know. So in terms of what has been proven to us, you know, I would say that this is a place where the coaches may want a body or two. And um, we need to sort out what the offense is going to be. And I don't want to jump ahead to coaching, but without knowing who the OC is and how much freedom that guy has, we don't know if it matters that this is a not even group of five room. Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty clearly a, a G5 at, at best at this point. And yeah, I don't know what Pat Shermer's going to want to come up with or how that's going to be divvied up, but we will we will see if there's another tight end out. There are some tight ends out there in the portal. I happen to take a look at some of the you know teams that have lost players here. And uh, like Arizona's got a four-star tight end that entered the portal after Jed Finch left for Washington. Now, it doesn't mean CU can get them or that that player would have any interest in coming to Colorado, but there is a potential to get some more bodies out there in the second transfer portal window or this spring. But as fate would have it, Neil, it's your turn, and we're heading to the offensive line. Now, by my count, there's some 15 scholarship offensive linemen, which is a, about the right number for a Power 5 team. Power four team, pardon me. And all but I think four of them are upperclassmen. And one of the underclassmen is Jordan Seaton, the phenom freshman, five-star left tackle or right tackle that's coming in that will probably be playing as a true freshman. So are we finally happy that you have a power four quality offensive line to compete in the Big 12? I think it's power, <clears throat> excuse me, power five minus in the sense that we have some very good prospects coming in. The We have guys that have power four experience that have played in big time football in big conferences uh, with decent teams. Hopefully they can come and raise the level of talent here. And I'm going to bet on the come that the offensive line is going to be much improved. If you had Tyler Brown in there, possibly as a guard or center somewhere on the interior, I think we will improve in size. I think we'll improve in mobility. So I'm hopeful that these guys are going to be better. But in terms of what is proven at this point, it's still G5. Oh, disappointing, disappointing that, Neil's not ready to give us a, a power four rating. How about you, Brad? Do you give him a, a power four rating, or are you with Neil that this is a still lacking in quality, still harking back to the disaster, which was the 2023 offensive line? Well, I'm willing to be disagreeable, but uh, taking on Neil on the offensive line is not something I'm willing to do tonight. Now, he's completely correct. There, 
there are guys on this roster who, based on past production, based on size, based on skill, can play at the power four level. I think they're probably, you can put together five of them, picking and choosing among them. But it's not just about the best players. We don't, we haven't yet seen that we can coach up offensive line. We haven't yet seen that we can design a blocking scheme that works sufficiently throughout a game. Um, we certainly haven't seen evidence that we can create a line that will move people for the running game. This is obviously the matter. The, this was the area of biggest concern. You have to give the coaching staff credit for going out and doing, I think, probably as much as they possibly could have to, to make it better. I can't say right now that it's a power forward group, but I think it has to be. That's the bottom line, and that's going to be on the coaching staff. It's not a last year was about the Jimmies and the Joes. Okay, we just didn't have the guys. It didn't matter. This year, I think with I think we need better coaching. I think we need better play calling, and I think we can find the guys who can do this. They're not going to be the best. This is not Michigan's offensive line, but they can do the job. Yeah, it's – I'm pretty gun-shy because I got sold on the idea of having offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach and two starters all coming in from Kent State that somehow that was going to magically create some continuity and some quality play, and clearly that didn't work out. But – as you guys have talked about, I mean, it, you know, they've done a lot to bring in a lot of bodies. So if for no other reason, there's at least some options there. Justin Mayers was highly rated as coming in as a transfer, but he's coming in from UTEP. Tyler Johnson comes in, probably might be a starting guard, but he played at Houston, which is, of course, now a power four school, but wasn't always a power four school. And Kalen Benson comes from Indiana, which the Big Ten might at some point petition to have become a group of five school when they start divvying up the bigger checks down the road in the next five or six years. So, yeah, I would like to say that this is going to be power four level, but they're going to have to prove it to us. And finding the starting five out of nothing else, you know, if there's injuries, the inevitable injuries, at least the drop off is not going to be as pronounced as it has been in years past, that there's going to be at least some marginal equality there, that uh, if you have one player go down, that the player that's going to step up and take his place is not going to be significantly um, a liability, that they're going to at least have the same sort of traits and talents that uh, the player that went down had. Uh, well, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. And when I did my Mind the Gap for the, the website, it's super hard for me to pick between who's a defensive lineman, who's an edge rusher, who's an outside linebacker, who's an inside linebacker. Yes, some of them are clearly defined. You've got a 310-pound guy. He's probably a defensive line. He's not going to be a, <laughs> an edge rusher. But a lot of these players are kind of interchangeable. So... Hopefully you guys will bear with me that I did a defensive line, edge, and then inside linebackers was kind of how I divvied things up. Brad, let's start with the defensive line. 
First of all, is this power four versus G5? Is it improved that much? Or is there still way too many holes and way too many gaps in this roster to be considering it a, a quality unit? Oh, it's a quality unit. And it's better than last year. But it's 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 probably even less proven than the offensive line, which is concerning. I think it's probably more talented. Um, I like Davis Swain, but he's young. And, you know, he needs – they just get harder after a year in the college weight room. Big and strong coming out of high school is different than big and strong after a year in the weight room. I have concerns about this front. I have concerns about whatever you want to call the front seven. Again, I think we'll be better, but we weren't good except at, at strange times last year. I'm still looking to see where the sacks are going to come from with this bunch. Um, I'm looking to see where the pressure is going to come. I think we'll be better against the run, but then again, it's the Big 12. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be facing 1,500-yard rushers. Um, yeah, outside of Oklahoma State, they've got a yeah. They've got a good running yeah. back you know, for the Cowboys. But, yeah, other than that, yeah. it's not the primary focus for many of the Big 12 teams. I don't know who on this defensive line is at some point going to pick up a guard and throw him back into the into the quarterback. And that's got a great deal of concern for me. This is, I right now, a mediocre group of five group. Okay. Neil, I'll – since you're going to also you know, do the next group, which I have as the edge rushers, I can let you blend the, the groups together if you want to. How do you see the defensive line? How do you see the edge rushers, uh, these G5 talent? Or do you see a potential breakout season for this group and uh, worthy of power, five, power four, power five consideration? Well, I think you and Brad both talked earlier about <clears> – <throat> the improvement of talent this year over 22. Um, it got us from the absolute dregs, uh, at least to a mid-level group of five front seven. I think what I'd like to do is approach it this way. The guys that play with their hand on the ground, the big guys, the 300 pounders, we may have found some people there who can eat guards and centers and occupy double teams and not get pushed back like they're on roller skates. That's definitely improved, I think. We have some respectable size there now. You know, the base defense appears to be a 3-3-5. So that means that the edge guy is really an outside linebacker that sometimes stands up, sometimes has his hand on the ground. There is some talent there. There are some prospects that could develop into something really special. But until we see them, you know, it's all speculation. However, the talent that's coming in, I think is better than the talent that came in last year. So we're bound to see some improvement in that front three. The outside linebackers and edge guys, uh, that continues to be a problem. As Brad mentioned, most of the rushes, um, and pressure on the quarterback will come from them. There are bodies there that fit the mold. They have long arms, have some speed and mobility. Just not sure how they're going to do against power five tackles. Now, the inside guys on defense, the linebackers, you know, we've imported, you know, some guys, 
this year that look respectable. Bentley, I think, was developing throughout the year and I think is going to probably at this point, from what we know, anchor that group. Still waiting for Kennedy to show what he can do as sort of a weak side, inside linebacker. If he comes up, then I think we're going to have a serviceable group with some depth. But right now it's too early to judge. And of course, we know that linebacker play largely is dependent upon the front three or the front four eating uh, blockers. So if those guys can get some help from the defensive line, I think we're going to be adequate there. Not great, uh, but still high level group of five. Okay. Yeah. I, I think again, until proven otherwise, this is uh, G5 consideration for the front seven. I am interested in Chidozi Nwanko. I think he's going to be a quality player up front. Shane Cox has stone, shown that he can he can play. It looks like he is going to be back. Brad, you mentioned Brandon Davis Swain, but he's, you know, again, a true freshman. So unless you're a freak of nature, you really don't want to have true freshmen out there going up against 320-pound offensive linemen. Amari McNeil, I don't know, Jerry Mar Browns. He was pretty serviceable. Arden Walker, Keaton Wade, you know, the transfer is Brad's favorite buy one, get one, where we got the, <laughs> the Wade He's brothers the coming in from Kentucky, <laughs> got the quarterback, and also got Keaton, which I think was probably the, the primary focus of that recruiting. Quincy Wiggins, another, he's coming from LSU, but didn't really shine at LSU or didn't really have the chance to show his stuff or maybe, you know, what's going on there. Samuel Lola. How's that? Go with that one? Okay. That's sorry about that. We will get to know you. And when you get your name blared on the uh, PA at Folsom Field, then we'll, everybody will know your name. But he's coming from Pitt as a former four-star recruit. So Quincy Wiggins was a five-star from LSU, but is he a five-star player? If he was, why wasn't he playing? So, yeah, the front line's definitely improved. I don't think there's too much question that there's an upgrade in talent, but I don't know if it's going to be an upgrade enough to make that big of a difference. Uh, I think a player to watch on the front three is Amari McNeil. He had some very good games where he was making tackles for loss, putting some pressure on the quarterback. If he continues to develop, he could be a very good player on that front three. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy that when the motor's running, he can play it, but he also has interesting times when he you can't tell he's on the field. Yeah. Very, very well said. Yeah. Um, Brad, how big of a loss was DJ Lundy? Uh, if you're looking at the linebacker group, he was definitely going to be a penciled in as a starter from minute one coming from Florida State and then backed away and went back to Florida State. You talked about Levanta Bentley, Demoy Kennedy, you know, Brendan Gant. We don't know if he's even going to get a waiver to play. And then you got three redshirt freshmen for linebackers. Is this going to be the, the Achilles heel of the defense, the linebackers, the true linebacker core? No, I mean, they're not great. And, of course, we would have loved to have had another one, you know, with Lundy, but we got outbid. 
I mean, let's, let's just be as honest <laughs> as we possibly can be. Promises were made, one has to believe, but you can't miss what you didn't have. Uh, so we'll just try to move forward and go from there. I think this is, I, I tend to think this is a more serviceable group. And that if, I think part of the problem last year was that they were, they were getting hit on second level blocks a lot. You know, the, the, the yeah. guards, centers were able to chip on our defensive linemen or not even have to play them and come out and play and come out and block the linebackers. And I think that hurt our running defense a lot. You know, and I, there, there's a transfer here or there that I miss a lot here. I'm, I, you know, I'm a Marvin Ham fan. I hope he does well. But I think we're shallow here. I would love to have a little bit more depth. I think they're fine. I don't think they are, uh, you know, they're bottom power four, top group of five kind of guys. Uh, nothing to write home about. But if people play better in front of them, then they will play better. And, you know, thank heavens we don't have to have them covering anybody because we got plenty of cover guys. <laughs> well, Neil, unless you got more on the front seven, I'll take it as a good segue into the defensive backfield. We've been kind of poo-pooing the roster here pretty much all night, but it's time to talk about some quality power four cornerbacks. Is that a given that this is a power four group at cornerback? Uh, we're going to separate the cornerbacks from the safeties here, but you think that the cornerbacks are power four level, or is there still unproven talent there? Well, I think you both mentioned that one of our groups on offense, any other team in the league would be envious of having them. I'm, I think that applies here to the corners. It's just going to be a matter of who starts at left and right and who is the slot corner they all i think can play out on an island i think of course hunter cormani mclean came on during the year and he has such a body for playing corner if he can continue to progress we're going to be very solid there with O'Mary and cooper also could probably be the slot uh corner to start with we also have depth with stoutmeyer i, I think we're in such good shape there um, I can't say enough about how good this group is. It's almost as good, if not better, than the wide receiver room. Ah, okay. Brad, Cormani uh, McLean didn't always live up to five-star billing. Travis Hunter, you know, he, I don't, if he could continue to be Superman and play both ways, 100 plays a game. Is there any concern there? You, you know, how about, you know, Preston Hodge, the Liberty, Liberty, Liberty transfer that uh, is certainly a quality guy coming in for a senior year is, and again, senior is in quotes. It might be as. <laughs> what, what is it? We can get existential here. What is a senior? Yes. Nowadays. His, his fourth year playing. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's about it. Yeah. He gets a hangnail, can, he'll get another redshirt year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go for seven. You know, first law school graduate playing at, you know, starting <laughs> in the backfield. But uh, you got to be pretty pleased with this group, right? As a oh. as a whole, yeah. This is what you have to have to play well in the Big Twelve. These guys are going to face good wide receivers every day in practice, and then they're going to go out and face them every Saturday. And you know there is some truth to iron sharpens iron. If you're out there trying to stop 
Horn or Weaver every day. Then when you come up against, you know, the best wide receiver at Kansas State, you probably have not going to see anything you haven't seen. So I just, I love this group. I know McCain got trouble last year. I think there was, you know, I think uh, the coach made it clear that there was a work ethic issue, but he played really well in about three or four games. For a freshman, once he learned up a little bit, and there, there were times there at the end where he was out on an island and he didn't, he never shirked from what was necessary. Yeah. He wasn't always perfect, but he had the mentality of a cornerback. He, yeah. you know, he, we would say that he has the best mentality on the team if he wasn't playing for Deion Sanders and a crowd from Travis Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. you know that's, that's just the way it works. If you want to, if you want to put out, uh, you want to put out five or six wide receivers and we'll send five or six cover guys out there and say, come on yeah, and do it. And, and that will make the, the defensive line better and the edge rushers better. I, I love these guys. I love these guys. You know, Liberty is now a excellent program, um, and Hodge can play. Carter Stoudemire, I think, is probably going to be our nickel or dime back and do a hell of a job. I love how this team works. If you, I, I really don't think that teams are going to beat us deep. I think they're going to have to move on down the field. And anytime you can make them have to make a, a series of plays, you're going to be better off. And if Travis Hunter gets his hands on the ball, stuff's going to happen. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love I love this group. I think they're as talented a group as defensive backs as CU has ever had. And by God, we've had some groups. Well, the 2016-2017 group might, you know, we, we'll see if we get th- all four of them drafted before we, uh, you know, go that far. But, yeah, and then you go back to the mid-'90s where you got a couple of Thorpe Award winners. But, yeah, you know, point taken. <laughs> And I really think the best part about Cormani and McLean playing the last few games is that now they've got film for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just watching him down in the practice fields and, hey, look, you didn't turn this way. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, you didn't turn this way and you got beat. Here's how, you know, you need to improve and here's what teams are going to use to exploit you type of thing. He needs to, you know, he's got the the, the God-given talent and at high school, he didn't have to worry about wide receivers doing anything that's going to make his life difficult or a quarterback that's going to drop the ball on a dime um, against him. He could just rely on his talent to outclass whoever he was up against. But now he's playing against power four schools and now he's got some film to show, you know, teach him how to how to be a better player. So I'm pretty excited about McLean and yeah, Stoutmeyer, Hodge. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a really good group. Keep them healthy. Have a couple of shutdown corners makes the whole defense better. So, Brad, you equally optimistic, bullish on the the safeties. I put in my written write up for the website that I was embarrassed to think that I thought Shiloh Sanders was a senior <laughs> this past year, and maybe even you know Trevor Woods was going to be done, but now. Mm-hmm. You know, appears both of them are going to be back. You got a couple of starters there. Silman Craig's back. Is there some depth issues there at safety, or are you thinking they're also a power five, power four group? There are always depth issues. That's the way it works nowadays. If if you're the third best guy, then you're trying to be the first best guy someplace else in the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, I think Shiloh Sanders, this a coach's boy 
kind of stuff can get overdone, but he is a thinking man safety. He really is with the talent to back it up. Do I wish he was, you know, two inches taller and 15 pounds heavier, perhaps, but um, especially on coverage. And, you know, he, one of the reasons he was out last year is because he'll put his head in for a tackle. And then there's Trevor Woods, who was slightly less physically talented, uh, but has a nose to be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. And he has, I think he's got excellent eyesight. I think Woods sees the game really well. And I think another year of uh, experience for both of those guys is just going to make them better. I love this bunch. Um, the bottom line is they're, they're never going to be covering the best wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> you know, if, if you yeah. can come rolling in here with the four, three guy, Travis is just going to be standing there. Um, so it, which makes for a nice job as a safety really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think they're just as good as they can be. I hope Slusher can stay healthier and they, they're, they're willing to stop the run. I'd like them to have to stop the run less. Uh, it would be nice if they were yes. leading tackling on that. But yeah, this is a this is truly a power four group, willing to play against anybody. Um, again, they share just they share the, the that that back end. They're confident, which is what you got to be back there. So I yeah. like this group a lot. Okay, well, Neil. I mean, Cameron Stillman Craig didn't talk much about him, but he tied with Travis Hunter for the team lead in interceptions. And I always like Miles Slusher. You know, he's the guy that made the game-winning tackle against TCU on fourth down in the uh, the season opener. Are you equally excited about this power four-worthy secondary in the, in the back end, or do you have concerns about it going forward? If I have a concern, it might be depth. But I think if there are injuries, some of the corners can be drafted to play safety. And there's an abundance of talent there, so I think depth is not really a concern. The best thing about this group is, well, the best couple of things, and they're complimentary, is high football IQ for Shiloh and Trevor. They yes. understand the game. They have a good mental picture of it. But they also have that it, that instinct, that they find the ball and they know what to do when they find a ball carrier or they find a ball that's 50-50. Um, they're excellent at that. And I think that's how Colorado is going to continue its tradition of having excellent safeties going way back, you know, 15, 20 years or longer. And I think Woods, if they can keep him at safety, if the linebacker group comes along and Trevor doesn't have to walk up and play linebacker, this is going to continue to be a strength of the team. And I can't imagine that they would be adding anyone from the portal. And I'm thinking all of these guys will stay. So I think it's stable. There's depth, there's talent, and there is um, just the special it factor that one needs in safeties. Very happy with this group. Okay. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with all of the above that the back end, those are the quarterbacks of the defense. And you've got really, you know, two good ones with Trevor Woods and Shiloh Sanders. And the other ones are not chicken liver. So maybe if you have to creep up and have Trevor Woods play, you know, pseudo linebacker to uh, help across the middle or help against tight ends or help, you know, stuff runs or something like that, then, 
know, so much the better if you've got other players that can, you know, hold up the back end. Uh, so Neil will finish off with the specialists, another one of your favorite places to uh, to talk about. We've got a Mark Bassett coming back as punter, and you've got two scholarship kickers in Mata and Feely, probably set at that position. You're probably not going to get any new players coming in, but are you content that this is power four worthy talent that you've got at the specialist positions, or is this still a work in progress that they're not living up to expectations from what we had last fall? We leaned on Bassett a great deal last year, and he came through almost all the time. He had a few shanks here and there, but he was driving the ball deep, um, not getting a lot of returns, getting the ball between the number and the sideline and getting good hang time. I think he's great. He's a weapon. He's going to be a strength. The place kicking, I'm not sanguine about because Mata, 39, 40 in, he's great. Anything beyond that, and it's a crapshoot. I think Thiele is kind of a, an enigma in that he started off last year as the field goal kicker and kicked a couple of nice long field goals, but then just something happened. Feely also had a propensity to place kickoffs uh, on the wrong side of the sideline and uh, <laughs> not get enough past that, uh, that goal line. So I'm thinking that perhaps there might be some room to find a guy in the portal and uh, we may see some change in this group. And it's probably going to be a, uh, a duet, if not a trio, uh, handling these skills. I'm trying to remember the young man who was kicking off at the very end of the year. Also had yeah. a little difficulty with direction, but seemed right. to have decent height and distance. So it's kind of unsettled there. So I, I think we need to coach up what we have and maybe get somebody who is a, a good kickoff, long field goal guy. Yeah. Well, Brad, the numbers see you had five times that the ball went out of bounds on a kickoff versus zero for our, all the opposing kickoffs last season. None of them went out of bounds. So you had five out of 60 kickoffs, only 25 went for touchbacks, while 53 out of 71 of the opponent's kickoffs went for touchbacks. So I don't know if Chase Feely, there's some rumor talk that he was injured. That's why he got replaced. Mata. You know, did make 10 out of 12 of his attempts and did have the game winner against Arizona State. But still room for improvement. Probably agree with Neil that Bassett from Purdue earned his keep. But uh, the kicking game still needs some work. Well, first of all, I think Bassett's kicking for his chance to play at the next level. Yeah. I think he is good enough with a little bit more length to at least, uh, you know, get a look uh, a year from now. What's the old joke? If you have two kickers, you have no kickers. Is that <laughs> I don't think that's exactly the joke as it goes, but yes, the, <laughs> I think it, the um, transitive property will work for you there. And and I will I will tell you, there is nothing worse than scoring and taking the momentum and then giving the next team the ball because your kicker can't hit a forty yard wide target. <laughs> Just, yeah, absolutely. That there, there, there are very few things that will make me angrier at a player than that. 
officials could do almost anything to make me that angry. But um, <laughs> I just I hate not kicking the ball into the end zone. You know, we play every game at home in altitude. We play Utah at altitude. This is just not right. You know, modest, modest fine. He's going to kick your extra points, which you need somebody to do. He's going to kick your gimmies, which you need somebody to do. But it just, what it ties all your hands. If you've got a choice for a, we don't have the guy that we can send out there for the 47 yard field goal. So we have to go for it at times. That puts pressure on everybody. And then again, if you can't hit the end zone on a kickoff, go do something else. I'm sure you're a good chemist. I don't know. I'm just, (laughs) this has to get better. And I don't know enough about kickers to know if coaching changes that. I don't know if, if you would think that Chase Feely might have had somebody to work with over the offseason that might have helped him with this, if he knows anybody, you know, like dad. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope they'll get better. One thing we didn't mention is one of the reasons that you have a big wide receiver room is that you can find one of them with good hands and good feet to run the ball back on some of those situations. I would be surprised if we, uh, you, you mentioned it, that uh, Wester might be, he's the kind of guy who once or twice a year might make a big play that will help you on a game. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that. I think there was some, I was not impressed with our special teams coaching last year. I think there was some questions about our blocking patterns, but if we can get better on that, it would sure be nice to to have some good starting positions. Yeah, and if your strongest positions are wide receiver and defensive backfield, there should be some talented players that want to get on the field and prove themselves. So, yeah, if you've got the special teams player of the year, All-American punt returner joining your team, then you might want to slot him in there. So, yeah, hopefully the special teams will be a, a positive for the Buffs this upcoming season. So looking back at the entire roster, there's only really a few units. Brad and I think the quarterback in and of itself, having Shadur makes it a power four unit. Uh, But otherwise, just wide receivers, defensive backfield, you know, that there's clearly an upgrade to the point where this is a team that can contend in in the Big 12 Conference for more than just six wins. But there's still a lot of holes on the team and still some players to be found, but probably 80 to 90% of the roster is now in place and we'll be here for spring ball. So mm-hmm. I hope that the Buff fans are excited about what they have and it'll just be a matter of tweaking the roster as opposed to coming up with 50 new bodies in April and May this year. Don't think anybody thinks that that's going to happen again, but there is going to be some defections. There's going to be some additions and the coaches certainly know where the, the problems were from last year. So we'll see how successful they are in filling some of those holes. So we've got lots to talk about in the upcoming weeks before spring practices, but we're going to have to leave it at that for now because we've uh, run over our time for <laughs> talking as we tend to do, but you know, it's always good if we got a good conversation going. So I'll let you guys go, and we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Thank you, both for listening to the podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation. 
I hope you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be a part of their podcast network. As always, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See What the Game website. I'll be back in two weeks. We'll be taking a look at the issues of the day, including a likely look at Coach Prime and how he has filled his coaching staff for the 2024 season. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs. Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.